All right, good morning, church. Good morning. It's always good to, to be with you all going through God's Word, praising God. Um, it's been a tough week. Um, our church family has experienced um, the passing of some loved ones. Um, we found out that uh, Pastor John's wife, Sue, her dad, uh, went home to be with the Lord last night. Um, it's always one of those things. Um, luckily, uh, the, the two people I've been made aware of uh, this past week, uh, Pastor Gary and his brother Steve, their, their dad passed away. Uh, this week too, and um, you can love on them after church. You can send uh, Pastor John and Sue some messages today, and just let them know that you're you're there for them. Um, but the the two uh, men who went on to be with the Lord knew the Lord. Uh, that's why they're with Him and not separated from Him. So that gives us reason to celebrate even through these these difficult times. And um, so just make sure you know we're we're loving on one another. Life isn't always easy, um, and and we know that we know that as we. Uh, not just read the Bibles, uh, our, our Bibles, that we're not told that we get this easy life, this cakewalk life. Jonah doesn't get an easy life, right? He, he lives in rebellion, and we see the things that come upon him, but um, we do know that we're, we're called to do life together because it's messy, it's sticky, it's not always easy, um, but we have a good and gracious God who saved us, and we are to serve him. Um, so just be praying for them, and just uh, be checking in on one another. That's why it's so important to get back involved in these groups, because um, our, our life wants to disconnect us because God created us not to be disconnected, but to be connected. So it's just this waging war, um, and, and so much more when we're involved in group can we fight and combat these things together. So um, I'm just excited because this is one of those opportunities that we get together to gather around God's Word, do life together, talk about it, uh, pray for one another, and be with one another. So that being said, we're continuing in our series, uh, Taken by Grace, going through the book of Jonah. I hope you all have enjoyed this, this book. Um, Jonah is, is often... Um, I don't know if you all know this, but it mentioned in children's storybooks, but the problem is, is they leave out bits and pieces of Jonah, particularly chapter 4, which would uh, take away Jonah being uh, the hero, right? But if you leave out chapter 4, Jonah looks like the hero. Um, chapter 2, we're going to be in today, um, but this story is, is not about Jonah, uh, per se, right? It's about Jonah's rebellion, but it's about God's goodness. It's about his grace. And Jonah didn't have a choice here. Jonah was taken. Um, I was very particular in how I, I wanted to, to nail that home for us, and I want us to see that today. Jonah was taken by grace. He didn't take grace. He didn't take a gift. He was given this gift by God. He was given another opportunity. He was given this grace from God, and he was shown mercy when God should have let him drown to the bottom of the sea in which he wanted to go to instead of going to the people of Nineveh to share the judgment that was to come upon them. He wanted to get far and far away from God's presence. And as we look at chapter 2, what I want us to, to focus on, our main point this morning, is that repentance, church, leads to redemption. There is no redemption apart from repentance. There is no redemption apart from repentance. We need to repent. We need to turn, is what that means. Repent is, is turning away. And if we do not do that, if we do not turn away from our sin and our ungodliness to look to our Savior who died once and for all for the sins of those who believe, then we will not be redeemed. So that's our main point. And our 
supporting points this morning is this cause, this cause for prayer. There's a cause for separation, and there's a cause for redemption. God doesn't do things just because. He has a cause to do them. There's a reason these things happen. There's a reason, there's an answer to everything around us. There are things that we don't know all the details to, but we have a good idea. We have everything we need to know and to understand and get through this life. There is a cause. First, there's a cause for prayer. First off, we cannot continue into chapter 2 if we do not understand the context of what's going on. Maybe um, it's a blur at this point. Maybe you've read ahead, right? You've gotten so excited this book has just stirred something in your, your heart and you read through all the long, grueling four chapters and you've made it through this big book and you've read ahead, but let's recap. Maybe it's your first time and you just don't know what's happened so far. So chapter 1, Jonah was told by God to go to the people of Nineveh and tell them of the wrath that is coming upon them because they were not following, right? This was an ungodly people. This was actually an enemy of God's people. So that's why Jonah was like, these people do not deserve this grace. I am not going to my enemy. Instead, I'm going to hop on this boat, pay the mariner's fare, and I'm going to flee as far as I can. Then we see that, that Jonah, he gets on this boat and the storm comes in, right? Jonah's at the bottom of the boat and the mariners are throwing cargo off of their ship. They're trying to, to stop the wreckage that is happening upon their, their, their ship. And they find Jonah down at the bottom of the boat sleeping. And they tell him to wake up. They cast lots, find out that it's Jonah's fault, the reason the storm is upon them. They say, what do we need to do? He says, uh, I'm one of God's people. I fear the Lord. I'm a Hebrew, right? I'm a God-fearing man. But you're going to have to throw me overboard for this to go away. They rode harder, right? They wanted to, to make it their own plan. They wanted to get away. They wanted to try all that they could instead of throwing this man over. Instead, they ended up having to throw him over. Jonah still did not want to go to Nineveh. He'd rather be thrown over the boat to be a sacrifice for the many people. And he gets into the water. It's surely going to be his end because out in a, the raging sea, right in the storms, there's no way that someone's going to survive this. Well, he did it on his own. In verse 17 of chapter 1, And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights, church, and that happened. That is not made up. That's not something in some kid's fairy tale book. This happened according to God's Word and history. If we could go back and see it, you would see Jonah being swallowed up by a great fish. And that's where it ends in chapter 1. And then chapter 2 picks up. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. Church, there is cause for prayer for Jonah and for us. What does Jonah do here? He gets swallowed up by a great fish. We can speculate, maybe it was a whale, that's what a lot of the storybooks would say. Pastor Gary and I have been talking about this through the week. Uh, we, we've been talking about the sermon prep a little bit more together and, and talking about different points that might stand out to him and myself, and, and we've talked about this fish and what it could have been, and um, Gary says, well, was it a GMO fish? Maybe God genetically modified this fish for a, a period. He's like, I don't know, and I'm like, well, I think it was a basking shark, because if you ever see those things, they just like just suck in and like you see like a whole school of fish just go right into their mouth i'm like that thing could swallow somebody up and then gary's like yeah i wonder if they like were in that area i'm like type it in google lovely google the great theologian of the internet tells us yeah like a basking shark is is in the mediterranean definitely could have been there i'm like oh i like to think that that was it but 
when we think about getting swallowed by a great fish, we don't think about the time to pray, right? But there's cause for Jonah to pray. He's not dead. May have thought he was dead. He talks about being in the belly of Sheol, the place of the dead, here in a minute. But what does he do? He prays. See, the beautiful thing about our God, the one true God, church, is that he desires a relationship with us. He desires this relationship with us that we, too, would see and have cause to pray, that we would see our need for our Savior. We would see the need for fellowship with communion with our God. That in all circumstances, especially the most trying ones, that we wouldn't try and find our way out of the belly of the pit or the, the, what felt like the belly of death to Him, but we would seek our God in those moments. See, the entire narrative of Scripture is that this life would draw us near to God. That trials would draw us closer to God. That's why the Bible says, count it a joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of various kinds. That our faith would, would produce steadfastness. That we wouldn't give up. That it would become stronger because endured through that trial. So everything that we go through, everything that we deal with, whether good or bad, is to draw us near to God. If you get that promotion at work, it's a good thing. Amen, church? We, we get that promotion, and we're like, that's awesome. I got this promotion. I'm getting paid. And then what we do is we ignore God, and we don't give Him thanks for the goodness that is in our life. But then when we face the, the trials, we want to shake our fist at Him. Where both of those times of life, good or bad, are calling us to draw near to the one true God. Not apart from him. Jonah did not have cause to be angry here. This was a result of his own depravity, his own sin. Him being swallowed by a great fish was a, the cause of God's goodness. So he has to pray here. Trials should bring us closer to God. Why? Why should my trial bring me closer to God Church, because the storms that we face in this life are an effect of the fallen world, therefore we draw near to our holy God who sits on high. What do you do in your, your most fearful moments? We typically have a routine, right? Do you guys call someone? When I was a kid, anytime like, my, my parents had finally like, given me a phone, I'd be scared, like something would happen, I'd like, just call them. If they were home, I'd like yell for them. If they didn't answer when I yelled for them, I stayed where I was and I called them, right? Like I just like that was my routine as a kid. We have these routines, things that we do. Do we pray? Do we pull up solitaire? I love solitaire, by the way. If you guys ever want to like try and get the best time in solitaire, I will beat you. I love solitaire. It's a, a fun, uh, very old game. I started playing Sudoku um, this past week. I don't know, or like uh, two weeks ago. I don't know if I'm even saying it right. Sudoku, right? Am I right? Sudoku? Sudoku. Sudoku. I'm never going to get it right, Kate. Thank you, though. I play that game where you got to get the numbers, and yep, one through nine, they got to be in the box of the, the row, and Aubrey sits and laughs at me. I get up and drink my coffee. Uh, what do you do in your most fearful moments? Do you distract yourself so that you don't have to deal with what's going on? Every time I'm on a plane, this is my most fearful moment, right? We were talking about this uh, the other night, and this is what I should have told you, Simon. Is my most fearful moment is when I'm up in the air in a plane. And like this might like make Frank, who used to be a pilot, like laugh, uh, a commercial pilot. He still flies. But for me, when I'm up in the air, it's just something. It's just I'm out of 
I have no control in what's going on, and that frightens me. So every time I'm up in the air, like this is my routine, I'm like, God, I'll get back down. I'll go to Africa for you. I will go to Nineveh for you. Jonah didn't even do that. I would, I would go anywhere for you, God. Just help me to get back down on the ground and literally anything. And I mean that. But like up in the air, oh, I'm calling out, right? I feel like I'm in the belly of the fish. Like literally I'm sitting around people and I'm like, we're all going down, guys. Like, there's, you can't help me. You can't help me. You're pretty big, but you can't do anything. Like, there's nothing we can do in the air. It's out of our control. What do you do in your most fearful moment? Jonah teaches us that there is cause to pray in our despair. Lamentations chapter 3, uh, verses 35 through 37. I called on your name, O Lord. You hear my plea. Do not close your ear to my cry for help. You came near when I called on you. You said, do not fear. Church, we have assurance that God hears our prayer. Now, we may not get the answer that we want, but God answers that prayer. God hears that prayer. So there is cause to pray, especially in our despair. We get exactly what we need from God. Whether we be pulled from a trial or pushed into it, right? That, that life sucks us in like a vacuum into the mess that we're in, right? Or whether we just willingly jump into it. God accomplishes His good and perfect will according to His purpose to bring Himself glory. So we may not get the answer we want, but we'll get the answer that we need. Because God is accomplishing His good and perfect will according to His purpose to bring Himself glory. So what else was Jonah to do but pray? Out of the belly of Sheol, look at that, he says, out of the belly of Sheol I cried and you heard my voice. There's some kind of assurance, almost as like, like Jonah is telling us that, that he knows because he's made it out by the time he's writing this, that he knows that God has answered, he's heard his voice, he knows this. The belly of Sheol, I just can't imagine. Like fish stink anyways, like I just like anytime like I'm fishing, like I've got that like that stench on my hands and like it's just awful. But like being in the belly of a fish, like what could it be other than like death? It's disgusting. See, Jonah describes the belly of the fish as the place of death. And if there's ever cause to pray, church, it's the separation from God. That he is separated from God. He feels hopeless. Why? Because he feels like he's in the place of death. Separated from God. Church, there is no worse place to be than out of the presence of God, which he was running for. But there is cause for this separation. Don't be mistaken. This didn't happen by accident. This was not only what Jonah wanted, but it became a part of God's purpose. And it became clear to us that this is something God was going to do to redeem Jonah. So there is cause for this separation. Point number two. What is the cause? Our very general answer is that our sin and God's holiness. What's the cause for our separation from God? Why should we be separated from Him now? Because we are sinners, we fall short of His glory, and therefore we are separated from His holiness. And because we are sinners, He had to send His Son to die for us on the cross to spill out His blood, to pay the penalty for our sins, so that we could have life by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. What is the cause for separation? Our sin and God's holiness. Because our sin separates us 
from God. Verses 3 and 4, look at this. For you cast me into the deep sea, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall, look, I shall again look upon your holy temple. Holy temple. Notice Jonah's recognition here of the reason for his separation. Jonah knows what has happened. Talk about in, in chapter 1, you, you've got to like really look at the wording in chapter 1 if you weren't here. There at the end of verse 3, it says, so he paid the fare, he's talking about Jonah, so he paid the fare and went into it to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. Now Jonah wanted to escape the presence of the Lord. It's like when I hear Aubrey stomping around the house and I'm like, she's coming for me. Where do I go? Where do I go? Where all men go? Bathroom. Right? Dart. We're gone. It's so weird. Like, I got married and I'm like, I thought like I was creative and I found out that like this is like an every guy thing. But, but Jonah, his thing wasn't the bathroom. He's like, I'm going to flee from God on this boat and get far away from here. But Jonah recognizes the reason for his separation is because he sees God's sovereign hand over the whole thing. Notice what he says back here in chapter 2 and verses 3 and 4. For you cast me into the deep. That's verse 3. And then go down to verse 4. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight. You cast me into the deep, and I am driven away. All along, Jonah had been running. It felt like he was running the race. It felt like he had control of his own story. Little did he know, God was working his will for his purpose to bring himself glory in Jonah's life. Jonah could run, but God was the one who was in control the whole time. All along, he'd been running, and he gets what he wishes, but it's not a victory for him. Have you all ever like won, but you know that you didn't win? You all know that feeling, that like horrible, horrible feeling. I'm gonna like just beat up on the men a little bit more and tell some of our secrets. Like, like when we're in the car or like we're like in a dispute with our spouse or a significant other, and us men like we we make a point and we're like, well, if like you would just like be quiet every now and then, and then immediately they get quiet. And it's not that you like taught them how to be quiet. It's that they are mad and you won in that moment, but you lost in the big picture, right? And like, I know this, like Aubrey's like looking down because she's like, yep, because mm, she knows. And this is like one of those moments for Jonah. It seems as though he has gotten away. It seems as though he's doing everything. He's getting everything that he wanted, right? He just seems like a spoiled little kid. He just refuses to go to Nineveh so much that he tells the mariners, you got to throw me over to get rid of the storm. Don't turn around and send me back to Nineveh. Throw me over and then I'm just going to be the sacrifice for them, and they'd be okay. They were okay, and so was Jonah in the belly of the fish because God was working out His purpose and His will. Jonah knows it wasn't the mariners that threw him into the sea, but it was God Himself. Look at what he says. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me, and all your waves and your billows passed over me your waves and your billows creation belongs to god the created belongs to god we belong to god we are to to give everything we have to god not only in 
in our word and deed, but like even in our recognition of, of who God is and, and how He's God over everything, the, the wind and the waves and the sea, the sky and the birds, everything within the earth. Jonah recognizes that. He says, your waves and your billows crashed about me. Creation belongs to God. Jonah recognizes this. Now these details are significant, not insignificant, church. Look at what he says. He says, I am driven away. He thought he was freely running. But church, there's a cause for this separation. And it wasn't Jonah who got away. Because that same word for I am driven away is the same Hebrew word for divorced. That God cast him away. God cast him into the seas. God cast him. He drove him away into the belly of the fish. Now that seems harsh, but church, when we are not living according to God's Word, especially before we know Him, we deserve the separation that is about us because of the depravity that lives within us. Jonah recognizes this separation from the sovereign God who's in control of his current situation. And it gives him cause to pray, and it gives him reason to remember why he's separated. He had tried running and running, but was instead driven away, cast out, divorced. Though it is not always the case, church, this is, this is super important and, and not always comfortable to talk about, but it's God's Word. It talks about this. It teaches this, and we need to examine it. It's not always the case, but we must first examine whether it is. That is, are we experiencing temporal separation or despair because of our sin? Are we experiencing temporal separation? So like momentary, it's not going to last forever, but in the moment we feel like we are in despair. We feel helpless or hopeless because of our sin. Now we don't go around as Christians, as we should not do, going around saying, you're dealing with that because of your sin, honey. You're going through that time because it's God's wrath upon you. We don't say those kind of things, right? It, it wouldn't be right. It may not be true. But I know one thing, it's not helpful. But personally, we should examine these things upon ourselves. If we understand that reality, then we can do the self-examination. Why is this time just, why does it seem like I cannot get out of this pit? Oh, it's a pit I dug without a ladder. I dug my own pit and I cannot get out of it. It's my fault. Maybe it is. But do we examine these things? Because as Christians, church, we must ask ourselves this and not write everything off because of the work of the devil. You all ever, like, you've met that person who's like, it's never their fault, right? You all ever, like, work with somebody like that? They come and they tell you, like, oh, well, John just fired me, so I just can't believe it. John's just so petty. He just He fired me and it's all his fault. He's just horrible. And it's never because I'm late every day and it wasn't because I milked the clock and it's not because you know he had to retrain me every other week to, to do the job that I've been doing for 10 years just because John's petty. right? And they don't take responsibility for their own actions. Church, we must examine these things because there is a cause for the separation. Now, if it's eternity, it's because you need to turn and to repent 
to your Savior once and for all, to believe in Jesus, to profess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and that God the Father raised Him from the dead, then you'll be saved. But for us as Christians, especially in prayer, we, we read about our prayers being hindered, right? That there's a time where God's like, wake up! Michael, you need to do this. Michael, you need to do that. I've given you my word. Why are you not following it? You're actively disobeying it. I will not listen. Like Aubrey, like, I, I will not listen to you, Michael, until you like, go back to that thing that you said in the car and we talk about that. All else is just like blah, blah, blah to me right now until I hear sorry, sorry, sorry. And it's not that she doesn't love me, but it's that our relationship needs a little bit of work before I just start going about my own day. We too, church, need to examine ourselves because there's cause for our separation. And again, it's not always the case, but we'd be fools to ignore the fact that there might be something God's trying to tell us that's within our own life. This is also much easier said than done. It's also much easier done together than alone that we would see these things in one another, that we would lovingly point those things out, try to guide and direct. And when our brothers and sisters fall, even at the, um, the pit of their own misery, like because they didn't listen to the advice we gave, we're there with a hand to help them back up and say, it's okay, we got you. You know, not to dig that hole again. But how crazy would it be for us to think that our despair never falls upon our own shoulders? Because Jonah knew this. Jonah knew what had happened at this point. Look at verses 5 and 6. Look at the distress that he's in. The waters closed in over me to take my life. He's, he's that close to death. They closed in to take his life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head. So he's got like seaweed. It sounds as though he's describing seaweed being wrapped around his head. Very descriptive. At the roots of the mountains I went to the land. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. So he's drowning. It seems as though like he's, he's describing this moment of, of being thrown off the boat and then uh, swallowed by the fish that, that he is at the bottom. Like we talk about, if you like read some of like the imagery there, like the, the roots of the mountains, which would. Be, You'd believe that to be at the bottom of the sea, in the rock bottom, it seems that Jonah is hit. And he knows that he has done this to himself. You can just see it in his distress. You can hear it in his cry and his call for help. Because Jonah feels helpless, but not hopeless. He feels helpless, not hopeless, because Jonah turns to the Lord, and in this, church, we find cause for redemption. Point number three. You can look, we'll, we'll jump back. Go to verse 4. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight. Right? That, again, think about that. That word used there, divorced, cast out, driven away. Yet, I shall again look upon your holy temple. Jonah, what he's talking about there, look again upon your holy temple. Is Jonah knew that this wasn't the end for him. This signifies, church, communion with God. That which we were separated from God, that which we lack apart from God, apart from a relationship with Jesus Christ, we lack communion with God, but we are called to. We are called to communion with God. We are called to a relationship with God. Jonah, he longs for this. 
being a prophet of God. We're not talking about someone who didn't know and understand God and his word and didn't believe. Jonah believed. What did he tell the mariners? I'm a God-fearing man, right? I believe. Uh, he, he says, I'm a Hebrew. Uh, I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, verse 9 of chapter 1, who made the sea and dry land. He understands who God is. And he longs for that communion. Though he was running, though he is being rebellious, he understands the goodness of God. He understands the redemption that is to come and the Messiah. Church, if, if our hope of salvation is simply the rescue of our own self and not for the glorifying of God, then we've missed the mark. See, Jonah's idea of redemption is that he would be redeemed back to God. Jonah already thinks that he's in the belly of death. We have no reason to believe that Jonah at the very moment believed that he was in the belly of a fish, right? We don't know for sure that he was like, oh man, I'm in like the stomach of a fish. He could have thought this was the actual place of the dead. Like he's, he's on the other side now and he's waiting for, you know, end times, right? He's just chilling in the place of death. But his hope wasn't in being able to breathe fresh air again. His hope was to have communion with God again. Yet I shall again look upon your holy temple, that he should have communion again with God one day. That's why our, our hope of salvation, church, is not on the rescue of ourselves just to bring us out of the pit, but bring us back into the fold of God, if you are not a believer and to restore our relationship that, that we've been trying to push aside, that we've been trying to run from when we're running from the presence of God, that we would be restored, that we would be brought back in, like the prodigal son. Like We are not gone. If we are real believers, right, we will persevere to the end. Jonah wanted that again, and he knew that he would get it. You see, sin is due to our separation. Separation is due to our sin. So there's no salvation apart from a relationship with the Lord. His eyes were set on God. He said, At the roots of the mountains I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever, yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. Now I found my way out of the pit. Not I did this or I did that. Not by my own works or my own deeds. Jonah says, You brought me out. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever, yet you, you brought my Life up from the pit. And the, conf the confession there. Oh Lord my God. Verse 7. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to who, church? The Lord. Salvation belongs to the Lord. He says, when my life was fainting away, when he felt like he was done, his despair had reached rock bottom, he is, he's done, he, he is about to, to face his death, or maybe he, he feels as though he is there. I remember the Lord. There's cause to pray again, but he understands that there's cause for separation, but he remembers the Lord, and his prayer came to him into God's holy temple. And then verse 8, it's like he almost takes a jab at the mariners, right? The mariners had called out to all their gods. Jonah's sleeping. Jonah knows what's going on. They've called out to all these men. But Jonah in verse 8 remembers that. 
and we too should remember this church, that those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. There is no other God. None other. And he deserves all the glory. He deserves all the prayer, all the attention, all the love, all the sacrifice. Jonah says, these people forsake you. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, in the belly of the fish, a man who has run from God and lived in rebellion, is not too far from hope. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out upon dry land. Jonah didn't do anything in the belly of the fish to to earn his way out of the belly of the fish. Jonah did not earn his way into the redemption which he now found on dry land. It was the goodness of God and it was the purpose and the will of God being worked out in the belly of the fish through the life of Jonah. See, there was, there was no hope for Jonah aside from that which God could offer. Jonah had no guarantee that this prayer was going to get him out. Jonah had no guarantee. He had no right. He deserved not to be spit out of the belly of the fish. He deserved to become a part of the waste in the belly of the fish, a part of the rotten smell, just like I do. See, apart from God, we deserve nothing. Apart from His grace, we deserve absolutely nothing. Jonah turned to the Lord and found cause for redemption. And God and God alone. And God, according to His purpose, had the fish spit Jonah back out. Why? Because God was not done with Jonah. Jonah repented, and what we're going to see next week is that that Jonah goes and does what he should have done in the beginning. Luke, you can go ahead and come back up. You and Tony lead us in this last song. But we cannot, we cannot escape the presence of God. So I I love that that song we sang. Church, I, I just recommend going home and like listening to it on the way home too like i feel like we should sing it five more times but heart won't stop and it's by john mark mcmillan it's the first one we played but it's so true we church we can't go anywhere to escape the presence of god and jonah his story is just just wrapped all around that song and really psalm 139 like what does david say here in verse 7 where shall i go from your spirit or where shall i flee from your presence if i ascend into heaven you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light be about me by night, um, about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as day, for darkness is as light with you. Church, we cannot escape. If, if you are a believer, there's, there's nowhere you can go. Believer or not, God is omnipresent. He is everywhere. 
So Jonah may have been helpless, but he was not hopeless. And Jonah's story here, and, and, and chapter 2 specifically, is it's teaching us that repentance leads to redemption. That God used that moment to restore Jonah, restore his attitude, at least temporarily, until we get to chapter 4. But his repentance led to his redemption, and it was God's grace all along. It was God's grace that had taken Jonah. It wasn't the fish, it was God's grace. God was not done with Jonah. And church, let me say this, if you're a believer, maybe you've been, been living in rebellion, right? Openly, like this is something we've been talking about the past few weeks. Maybe God is, is telling you that in that moment or that trial that you are going through, that he wants you to draw near to him, to repent and be redeemed in that moment. It's not eternal redemption if you've already believed, but it is redemption in that moment. Maybe you're here today and you don't know God. You don't know Him as your Savior. You are to call on His name and to believe in Him today to turn from your sins and believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because the only hope we have is in Him. Let me tell you something. The belly of a fish sounds horrible, but hell is a lot worse. Hell is the place of death. And the worst part about it is, you're not dead. It's very much real with feelings and emotions and awful gnashing of teeth. But God's goodness leads to redemption through repentance. So I encourage you today to turn and to repent of your sins and believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you have questions about that, just come find me after the service. Pastor Gary or Pastor Simon, we'd love to just talk to you about that, what that means and if you're like, hey, like I like believe that, but like I, I feel like I've just not been like living the way I'm supposed to, then we'd love to get you connected with someone who can disciple you, whether it be one of us or someone else in the church. We are to follow God's word. We're not to be legalistic and slamming people with it, but we are to be obedient to God and his word, which was for us, for our good and his glory, that in it he would be glorified through the reading, proclaiming of his very own word. Church, if you would, go ahead and stand. We're going to sing one more song, and it's um, I Surrender All. And as, as we sing this, I, I want us to think about that, that in our rebellion as believers, that, that we too should surrender all to Jesus. Now, it, it seems as though we've surrendered our souls if we're believers, right? We're like, hey, like I believe in you. There's nothing I can do. You've given me life. But there's part of us that still is just not surrendering. And we need to have that in the belly of the fish moment where we realize we can do nothing apart from Him and that He is drawing us closer to Him even in our despair. And if you do not believe in Him, you need to surrender all for the first time. Come to Him. Father God, we thank You for this morning and we praise You for who You are, what You've done in each and every individual's life up to this point, the person who knows You, the one that You've already saved. God, that we would see the, the need to quit running God, even in our running, you were in control. God, your will will be accomplished, and I pray that we would desire to be a part of it. That we would want to be the broken vessels that you use to accomplish your good will. We would want to be the, the broken, wretched sinners that you use to call people to yourself. That we would want to be the, the broken who go to the, the broken to tell them about the Savior. 
named Jesus. I pray right now for the person who doesn't know you, God, that, that you would just stir up in their, their hearts. God, your spirit would just work on them and that you would draw them to yourself and that you would save them, that they would turn from their sins and that we, we God, as a church family, would lean into their life and just disciple them and love them according to your good word. God, I pray for each and every person here, God, that we would continue growing with one another, putting Jesus in the perspective and glorifying you, our God, who sits on high. You deserve the glory and you alone. And I pray as we leave here today that we would be thinking about these things, that, that we run from you in areas of our life and we just need to stop, pause, and realize we need to give it to you. We need to give you all that we have. Father, we love you and we praise you. Give you all the thanks and all the glory this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen.